Um, so, uh, you know, growing up can be hard. Would y'all agree with that? Growing up can be hard. I think it might be harder to watch your children grow up, though. All right. I mean, I see a lot of nodding heads, and sometimes, sometimes you know, uh, we don't want them to, right? I, I, I I'm, I'm, uh, I feel that way a lot of times. I don't want them to grow up. I took a picture of them just uh, uh, in the just earlier today in in the office and sent it to my mom. You know, I says my girls, they were piled in there, they were piled together on the chair in there, all you know, hug, hug, hugged up and laughing and smiling, and you know, I, I, I want them to stay that way most of the time, right? Most of the time, uh, I want them to, to still want to, uh, want to snuggle with daddy or, or uh, get on my back and shoulders, although it's going to break probably both of them, uh, all both shoulders and my back, um, you know. In fact, they want to play this game a lot, and I'm like, I'm thinking they call it Magicore. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to play that one anymore because it's like it involves them on my back most of the time. And uh, and I'm like, I'm, yeah, we're getting on up there, aren't we, PJ? Right, so I was like, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Um, you know, but but uh, or I, don't want, I want them to still want to hold my hand and walk down the, you know, the driveway. And, you know, I, I, I know that that's going to change and that and it scares me somewhat. But there are other times whenever I want kids to be mature, like at school, <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to be mature at your age. How many times have I said, you know, uh, you're acting like a bunch of fifth graders to juniors or seniors? Um, you know, um, I've said that so many times, um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why as as the older I got, I preferred teaching high school to middle school because I was a middle school major. Okay. Um, and and I, I it was okay when I was 25 or 26, whatever, you know, but as I got older, I just kind of wanted a more mature student. Uh, and then I got seniors and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like we should get paid less. Like you never have to deal with discipline with seniors. Like I mean, like it's it's so easy. Like it really is. Then you get a week off at the end of the year because I get to leave early. Anyway, it's like I always felt bad, you know. I like I, I like hid in my in my classroom. You know, I didn't want anybody. I didn't want the, the teachers next door to know that I didn't have any students, you know. But anyway, um, but uh, you know, uh, the immaturity used to really push my buttons. I don't want to disturb you in any way uh, because so it's only going to matter or. The only people who are going to have a picture of it are the people who have seen it. But on Saturday Night Live, Will Ferrell plays a very disturbing scene where he's a big baby. Okay, look it up if you if you want to or don't. All right, uh, there's other cool things on YouTube like you know the uh, the iguana hunting that uh, PJ sent me. But um, but there, which was cool by the way. But uh, you know it, it, it's it's weird. Okay, Will Ferrell, this old big man, is playing a big baby. It's very disturbing, uh, and and I think it's uh, but I do think it's appropriate because it should be just as disturbing for us if we did the same thing as Christians that he does plays in that in that uh, Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, he plays a baby. Uh, we should want to be mature in our faith, to grow in it. Amen. We should. Well, I just talked to uh, to uh, one of my stepmom's cousins yesterday morning, uh, and we we're talking about that. You know, and he was talking about him as he's in his fifties now. But he was talking about how you know he he, he gave his life to Christ. He kind of uh, backslid for a while, and and, he, and he, but he didn't really know a whole lot about the Bible. And now he's in classes now, and he's and he's learning about the Bible. And he's like, man. Stuff I wish I would have known a long time ago, you know. Uh, and I'm like, uh, you know, that that is awesome. But we should want to be mature in our faith, to grow in our faith. We will never reach perfection. And you know, of course, we've said many times. I think you'll find that it's you know, the, the closer you your walk is with Christ, the more you feel how uh, how farther away you you know how much more you got to work on, you know, and improve. Um, but listen, that we we cannot save ourselves. Amen. All right, we can't. We are saved by grace through faith. It's all the work of Jesus Christ. And 
But that doesn't mean we should stay the same. Okay, it doesn't mean we should stay right where you are. We should still strive for holiness. Uh, and I think of, of, of you know, I, I love this time of year, March Madness. I'm glad they had that this year. It broke my heart they didn't have that last year. I love March Madness, okay? Uh, and, and yeah, I have my brackets, but I don't really care if my bracket gets busted. If the under, underdog can win, I'm like, hey, go ahead, you know? Uh, and so I, I just, I, I love it. it. It's exciting. and It makes me think of sports and the idea of striving. Um, and, you know, and, and it, it was always a challenge when you had a really good team, like a team that just won the championship the year before, to, to keep them on edge, you know. So, you, you know, so those times you try to tell them you just want to play the, play the best we can play. So even if we win, you know, we got things we need to work on because the striving to continue to get better and, and to improve was important to never be satisfied. But, again, we should be the same way in our walks uh, as, as uh, Christians. The good news of the gospel is not just that we can be saved by Christ, but that we are being renewed into the image of Christ. All right. uh, Romans 8, verse 29. I, I don't know if it's up there or not. Miss, I think it might be Miss Ron. Yeah, there it is. Oh, awesome. All right. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces are looking in as a mirror, as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we're to be changed to be more like Christ. Amen. All right, and as we approach glory, we we're getting we're we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And so today's uh, central statement, um, it, it may not be alliterative, but I think it'll go well today, Mr. Lewis. The march of Christian maturity, our doctrinal stability. If you're taking notes, doctrinal stability will be number one. Truth joined with love, and then third, thirdly. Faithfully fulfilling your function with the body of Christ, which is alliterative. Ah, you're impressed, aren't you? All right, okay, all right. So here we go. And we read it earlier. This is the, the scripture that Sally read uh, within the, uh, the songs today. Ephesians 4, verse 14, starting there today as we are on what? I can't I don't even know what week. Week, week 23, okay? Uh, and so we are, we are cruising along. Ephesians 4, verse 14, he says, Paul says, Then we will no longer be little children. Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Okay? And so uh, I, I saw actually somebody else use the word doctrinal stability, and I can't remember which uh, theologian, but I said, I like, I'm just going to steal that one today. Okay, I just like the way it's, 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 it's uh, short, but it is exactly what he's, what's being referred to in this verse. Doctrinal stability. So what does that mean, Brother Pastor? There's some big words. All right. Um, this means that as a Christian, you know what you believe in, right? You know, you know who saved you. You, you. you know why you believe it. You, your faith is firm and you are not easily swayed or tricked. You, you read your Bible, right? you pray, you attend church, you, you listen to sermons from preachers who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, Doctrinal, you know what you know. Okay, um, and, and I, I like this um, song. Because, I mean, I like this verse because it reminds me of the song that we sing in church. It says Second Timothy one verse twelve, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know who I believed, and am persuaded. Y'all know that song. And am persuaded that He is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. It's a beautiful song. All right? um, and, and as I've mentioned before, it's a good idea to know the meaning of something uh, and by teaching this opposite. Okay, and so that's what happens here. So this is what Paul does here in describing what a mature Christian does not look like. Does not look like. What does he not look like? He uses a dual metaphor. All right, because I know you like the metaphors, right? right. So uh, metaphors. Children, 
and tossed by the waves. Okay, so he's going to use a dual metaphor and say, we don't need to be like that, okay, as Christians. So, children. So, that's the first one, children. So, while childlike faith is to be encouraged, come as a child, childish traits are not. Okay, childish traits are not. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. See? Again, childlike faith is encouraged. Childish traits are not. A parallel passage we see in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. See? And then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, which is a sad statement when you think about um, Baby food is nasty. Right? You ever ate any? Anybody? Come on. Let's be honest. Anybody had a little bite of baby food before? All right. The banana's okay. All right? It's not bad. We used to play a game, a really cruel game in youth group called uh, Baby Food Roulette. All right? And you would, and it would, and you had, we had all the baby food. We had about 15 flavors, and it was, what was it like? Pat, we passed, I can't remember how we got on who got it. It was like random. Do you remember how we did it? I can't even remember. But anyway, but it was a random thing, and you were, and you would just be sitting around, and you got selected to eat the baby food, you know, to have one bite. And, oh, my gosh, the looks on the faces. If you ever got, like, the peas or something, or, or, or the carrots, you know. Uh, but it's nasty. Um, it might be good for babies, um, but not, not for somebody like us. And, and Sally remembers it better than I do, but it, it was like uh, the first time Kaylin had, was it French fries? Is that what it was? It was a Zaxby's French fry. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, a Zaxby's French fry when she was a baby. She had a Zaxby's French fry, We just, you know, and she was like, ooh. That's pretty. I want more of that. Okay, what is that? That does not taste like baby food. All right, and uh, and Kaylin's gonna be like, "Why'd you have to talk to me?" But anyway, uh, but you know, uh, obviously, um, that was like the, that's her first real food. Okay, uh, other than baby food, and and look, as I alluded to earlier, it would be um, utterly ridiculous to see some of you adults or myself sitting in diapers right now. It would be weird. Okay, uh, uh, playing with dolls and action figures in your pew, um, uh, the, the, the Matchbox and the Hot Wheels, right? They still have those? I don't know. All right, um, and, and saying ga ga goo goo, it would be strange, right, um, to, to do that. Or that's mine. I had it first. Me? Okay. Oh, wait a minute! Don't don't start preaching. Right. Don't 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 start meddling, brother Patrick. Could it be that Christian babies have been running amok in our churches for a long time? That's a strong statement. We wouldn't let the we wouldn't open the nursery and say, "All right, all right, little kids, have at it, woohoo, have all the fun you want, going around, you know, throwing food all over the place and all that, and that's mine, and this is mine, and I don't like it that way, and oh, I'm starting to preach a little bit, and maybe maybe be careful, but I, I've seen it." I think you know what I'm talking about. I, mean, I believe there have been too many people who get their way in church and maybe they were babes in there as far as their relationship with Christ. Right? Ooh. Why would we do that consciously? People, I feel like that's happened. So, babes, children. Right? So, next one, toss by the waves. I better, better move on there. 
tossed by the waves, blown by the wind. And this one involves being tricked by the teaching of an illegitimate gospel. Okay, this is, this, this is, this is like a tricky one. It goes right with it. Um, so an illegitimate gospel is not the gospel. If it doesn't say Christ came to save sinners, to take our place on the cross, although we're the ones who deserved it, it is not the gospel. Amen? It's not the gospel. Okay? Do away with it. All right? Hebrews 13, verse 9, Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations or these other things, since those who observe them have not benefited. Be established. It's good for the heart to be established by grace. That's a great statement. Great statement. James 1, verse, uh, verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging, surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so a major point I want to make in this is that it, this is a scary thing. Um, the closest I can think of as far as being on the water and during, um, during a storm, it really wasn't during a storm. I, the only thing I can remember is just going deep sea fishing, like really out uh, with with um, with Roy, uh, you know, uh, my mom's husband, and um, and it was we were way far out, and we we're and then we we're coming back. I got sick. Okay, that's the only thing I remember is I, I was like throwing up sick in the bottom of the boat. You know, I don't remember much of that. Has anyone ever been out on the water in a storm? Scary, pretty scary, from what I understand. And so, um, you know, Paul knew something about being tossed by the waves. You find that in Acts chapter 27. He talks about that, all right? It talks about incident there. And then, you know, some of those storms would, even, would, would scare even the most experienced sailors. Okay? There's a point in the Bible, in, in the Gospels. I'm going to show you that verse real quick. Luke chapter 8, verse 24. Jesus is sleeping in the bottom boat. And, you know, it's a big storm, you know. And, and of course, they, they came and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. These were experienced sailors saying that. Right? And then he got up and rebuked the wind, raging waves, so they seized, and there was a calm, which is uh, another sermon for another day, but, but still. like the, and, and what I also learned about this is that many of the boats during this time period would have been 30 to 70 feet long. That's not very, that's not very big. Okay? And so uh, we're not talking 500, right? 500 feet. Right? You know, big old shit. We're talking 30 to 70 feet long. So again, not very big boats. And men tossed around see we see immaturity in one's faith whenever we see instability um, being susceptible to manipulation and error easily swayed okay um, these people never seem to really know what they believe all right or they don't really have much conviction and so be careful their opinions change based on the latest fad or the latest book they read so be careful be very very careful um, and, and and how do we do that how do we stay not doing that all right by reading the Word, right? By reading the Word every day. The next uh, part in that verse that I want to bring out, that I, and it goes right with what, the, what I just said, is human, human cunning with cleverness in techniques of deceit. That is hard to say. Right? Uh, I didn't realize how hard that was to say until I actually said it. All right? uh, but it is. But it, human cunning with cleverness. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. Okay, This can be tough. What I'm saying is that um, you're not a fully mature Christian um, if you are easily slayed this way or the other. That's what I'm saying. Okay? We have to be wary of these people. Now, um, okay, bless God rest his soul. Uh, I miss my papa. He was, he was a great man, my dad's dad. Um, but he was a cheater in cards. Okay? He cheated. And uh, if my sister is going to listen to this or watch it later, all right, um, my sister Erin was part of that crew too. I'm going to call her out. Okay? All right? 
I never, I never got involved in a cheating. cheating okay. All right. Uh, we'd still do that crossing of the hands. Okay. All right. All right. I did a little bit, but mostly it was my papa and Aaron. Okay. And they would cheat. They would slip a card to each other, and they would be smiling. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I, I said that for a reason. It's a fun story to share, but. The word for cleverness, the word for cleverness there is where we get the idea of playing against a loaded dice. It's the same idea. Or playing against a bunch of cheating card players. All right, And so it's very deceptive. Romans 16, verse 18. Because such people do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. You know any smooth talkers? Maybe you've seen some of them on TV. Flatterers, ear ticklers. I don't have this up there, Miss Rhonda, so so forgive me. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 2. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can be simple, amen. Be careful. The old saying is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Paul is afraid that certain kinds of very cunning people who are really good at tricking you, right? Who are very skilled at that will come in and teach false doctrines, which would in turn stunt the growth of the believers. Have you seen it? I'm guessing some of y'all have. I read this earlier before uh, at the beginning of service, 2 Corinthians 11, just verse 3 is what I want to read now. But I fear that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, which is pretty crafty, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Again, we must be very careful because, see, they know what they're doing. In that same scripture, I want to read the last two verses that I read earlier today. It says, Oh, no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The Bible says, you know, he can trick you. So it's no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will be, will be according to their works. See, Satan knows what he's doing. He knows just enough Scripture to fool you. You can see that whenever you see the temptation of Jesus in the Gospels. And that's also a reason why we should wear our spiritual armor. Armor, Amen? I can't wait till we get to that one. That's some good stuff. All right, it's going to be, um, it might be a year or two before we get there. That's just a joke. But it will be several weeks. But anyway, um, when we get there, I love that. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Because he's got a lot of them. He's got a lot of them. He knows just what pushes each, each one's button. We should also test every spirit to see if they are from God. This is something that we should do as Christians. First John 4, verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. Be very, very careful. I'm always hesitant to hear, you know, preachers that I don't know. I'm, I, I'm always like, just kind of really listening to what, what's being said. The marks of Christian maturity are doctrinal stability, sitting in the next one we're going to do here, truth joined with love, and faithfully fulfilling your function within the body of Christ. Let's look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Number two. Truth joined with love. 
This is hard. Easier said than done. The truth must not be used as a club to bludgeon people into acceptance and obedience, but must always be presented in love. 1 John 3, verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. It's another area there where they combined the two, love and truth. See, when a church is faithful to speak truth and love, it will have transparent relationships where people edify and we benefit one another. What is actually being referred to here is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth about Jesus Christ. Uh, I have two quotes here that I thought were, were very, very good. Uh, Warren Wearsby says, It has been well said that truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. So I, I think that's very true. Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is, is hypocrisy. And then John Stott says, Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. And so that, that balance there that we, that, that, that we have. See, think about children. Think about when you're growing up or, or whatever the case may be. See, children, you know, either they don't want to hurt feelings, so... Um, so maybe they love, but, they, but they're not truthful about something. They want to keep that love, but they're scared to say something to somebody. Or they just speak their minds without warning at all, right? And Sally can tell you a couple stories about some of the things my, our girls have said in public, right? That were like, don't say that out loud, you know? That never happened to your children. Yours is perfect, all right? I'm just playing. Love y'all, all right? But the Bible says, however... Proverbs 27, 6, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of the enemy are excessive. The wounds of a friend, sometimes it's just that God tells them the truth. And then, as we read on in that verse, it says to grow in every way. Grow, we've been talking about that a lot lately. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 21, going back to that from several weeks ago. In Him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then the head is Christ. Ephesians 1, 22, going back again in the book of Ephesians. And He subjected everything under His feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of every man. So the marks of Christian maturity are doctrinal stability, knowing what you, what you believe in, all right? not being easily, slay, easily swayed, not slayed, all right? uh, and in truth joined with love, and faithfully fulfilling your function within the body of Christ. And that's our last point today Ephesians 4 verse 16 from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part so point number three faithfully fulfill your function faithfully fulfill your function kind of goes with what we talked about last week you know from him the first part of that that I liked I like to cake the verses and, and it did the points that, that really stand out to me and the first one is from him that very similar verses, Colossians two verse nineteen. He doesn't hold on to the he doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with growth from God. Right? From God, and it's the whole body. Romans twelve verses four and five. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, and then fitted and knit together. Fitted and knit together. Um, I'm dating myself here, but y'all, y'all remember to get, uh, the group. Um, I know you're supposed to know all the all the the, the, the music, right? But Steve said you know every song that's ever been. Ever, so, boys to men. 
Okay, a little hyperbole. Okay, good, good. A little excessive. What, what about boys and men? To the end of the road, I can't let go. I didn't know I was going to break into uh, boys and men today. All right, uh, but you know that's our day, right? That's us. Um, my point is, man, they were good at harmonizing, weren't they? I mean, they were really good. You know, so what's that? They were. They were. <laughs> they were. I'm only one person. I don't have my backup. If PJ could come up here with me, we could we could rock it out right now if we want to challenge. He's like PJ. No, PJ's not even. He's not even saying he would sing with me. But my point is, we get our English word harmony from the Greek term translated "fitted and knit together." That's using this verse harmony. Okay, harmony is beautiful. It sounds good when you really have people who can sing. Amen, brother. All right. I mean, it really is. It really is beautiful. Um, and then the proper working of each individual parts. This represents the fact that each member of the body of Christ is somehow connected to and dependent on every other part. And I didn't know I was even mention, uh, kind of alluding to that earlier. And I just really appreciate you all and, and the love that you guys have shown our family. All right, and it's just a little, the little candy or the little gifts that are left for my daughters or whatever. I just, I'm just very appreciative. And um, Tony, Tony Evans says this about California redwood trees. It says California red, redwood trees grow to be massive in size in ancient age. The secret to their stability and longevity is that their roots intertwine. Their roots intertwine. Underground, they're all interconnected. You can't, you can't mess with one without messing with the whole grove. When fierce winds blow, their connectedness allows them to borrow from one another and stand strong. So it is, Paul says, with the body of Christ. Amen. What a beautiful picture that is. And this leads me, uh, this, I'm sorry, this leads me to another quote by, by uh, John Calvin. And I'm going to paraphrase, I may paraphrase some of it, but I, I like it. He has some, it's kind of some funny, to me it's a funny picture, but it still has a point. It says, that man is mistaken who desires his own separate growth outside of the church. For what would it profit a leg or an arm if it grew to be an enormous size or for the mouth to be stretched wider? It would look deformed, right? You know, the mirrors you go in the, in, you know, at, a, at a circus or something or wherever, you know, the funny mirrors. It would merely be afflicted with a harmful tumor, he says. So if we wish to be considered in Christ, let no man uh, be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for others. This is accomplished by love, and where love does not reign, there is no edification of the church, but a mere scattering. So love that. Very beautiful words. See, we cannot do this on our own strength. We should not try to exercise God's gift without depending on Christ. John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And for the time you start doing it on your own, the old saying is you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Well, I'm coming out with some old school stuff. I might, I might start rapping. I, might, I mean, you might hear, you never know telling what I'm going to do next now. But I will ask uh, Miss uh, Sally and Mr. Lawrence come up here as we finish. It's, uh, while it's most certainly important that we all have a, per, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, biblical Christianity never teaches that our faith journey is just about Jesus and me. Remember, we are part of the body of Christ. I'm so glad I'm a part. Of the family of God. Amen. Brother Tommy's like, please stop singing. <laughs> the, old, the last thing, uh, the last little illustration I want to give you is one I saw from David Gusick. He, he said that um, basically we don't want to be as a church a pyramid or a bus. Okay? He says that, that some people think of the church as a pyramid with, with the pastor at the top. 
We don't want that. Okay? Uh, others think of the church as a bus driven by the pastor, by the pastor who takes his passive pastors wherever they should go. Don't want to do that either. God wants us to see the church as a body where every part does its share. Amen? Beautiful. Beautiful words there as well. The marks of Christian maturity are doctrinal stability, truth joined with love, and faithfully fulfilling your function within the body of Christ. Are you are you doing those things? Just as we kind of self-evaluate here at the, at the end, uh, may we strive for maturity. Do you know what you know? All right? um, do you know, uh, have, you, have you been reading the Bible? You know? There, there's all sorts of helps on that. I, I normally read mine on my iPad. You know, I just like to just grab it first thing, on, you know, when I wake up, and, and you know, I like to do mine on the iPad. Some people don't. Some people like to you know, go somewhere separately, and they read their Bible, and they take it where they like the paper Bible. I get that, too. I like it that I have a plan that I'm a, that's going to bring it up for me. You know, I like the convenience of it. And um, But are you reading the Word? You know, are you doing that? Are, have you, um, do, do you show truth, and do you show love with truth? Is it together? You know, truth joined with love. And are you faithfully fulfilling your function within the body of Christ? Are you using your gifts to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then none of this really applied to you today. All right? So I want to extend that invitation. All right? That It's all about recognizing that Jesus paid the price for you on the cross. He died in your place. In your place. It's a matter of accepting the finished work on the cross. That it's finished. What He did counted for you. So I encourage you to make that decision today. If you've never made that decision, all right, I'll be at the front. Uh, we as we we sing, Miss Sally. I don't know.